Sydney, Australia, and I'm joined by an old friend, actually, so Nathan Borg from Kanatai. Welcome. Hey, how you going? Very good. Man, that's a very nervous hello. I know, I know. <laughs> that's not like you. <laughs> First time we've met. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, it's good Good to be here. Yeah, so it's, you were on my list, I reckon, almost over a year ago, I think, so I've, uh, I've watched Kennards go through their process with their digital strategy and um i've always been keen to like try and share those experiences with people over everyone online so i am very happy that we finally made it happen no it's good it's good it's been interesting past two years at least for me but um i'm sure we've got a lot to talk about so you are the head of digital and customer experience at ken Artire. yep but before we get into what that means maybe you just want to talk about how you first got into the industry yeah um I joined in 2008 at Kennard's Hire um, as an accounts payable clerk. So I was um, working within our accounts payables team, working on basically checking statements and ensuring we're paying the bills. So I, I joined fortunately at a time when Kennard's was moving head office from Burwood to Seven Hills and they needed someone to pack boxes for a bit. And then that move got delayed and they said, look, just maybe sit around in AP and help us out here for a bit until we move. And then um, I stayed on and, and ended up being like a part-timer while I was at uni. So I did a couple of years in accounts payable. Then I moved into our um, IT team as a IT officer. So it was kind of fitting because I was studying a degree in e-business, which um, actually set me up quite well in terms of my career because it was really a degree focused around e-commerce and business and IT. So it really just pulled it all together. Um, and I did a couple of years as an IT officer. Um, that probably started to spark a bit of a passion in project management and working on like larger projects within Kennard. So I had a lot of exposure just to different technologies that we would use. So um, like from networks through to the software that the branch staff were using and then different software that slowly started being part of the day-to-day at Kennards. Um, and you quickly realize that, hey, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just, you know, getting some equipment out onto a contract and then with a customer, there's a lot behind the scenes that makes it all happen and, you know, makes a business really function. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I started helping out with like little mini rollouts with like a network rollout and that, you know, started honing some skills in project management. Um, I then wrapped up my studies and um, Kennards was actually just about to start off two kind of key projects for us, which was the the rebuild of our, our website. So that was around 2014, I would say. We started to um, envisage a new website, a new online channel where customers could book online, which was a shift from our existing site, which was very much a, um online catalog. You know, it was very basic, just did what it needed to do. And it was, you know, from a time, I suppose. So we looked at that project and then we also kicked off our mobility project, which was um, the first time we embarked on like a mobile app to get our staff to transact with customers. So I started then as a project coordinator and moved into more of a project management role, worked through those projects amongst many others over seven years, Um, at which point I hit around 10 years at Kennards and then an opportunity came up to work elsewhere and I, I, I joined Football Australia for a couple of years. So very different industry, very different type of customers, very different <clears throat> everything um, from hire. But I think joining that space, I was in the um, community digital team. So we, we looked at 
digital products for participants, um, <clears throat> which taught me a lot about <clears throat> which taught me a lot about the customer and and how you should be engaging customers and talking about the customer. Like, ultimately, what is your product trying to do? So I learned a whole lot just around product management, agile ways of working. Um, the importance of the customer's interaction and understanding their journey and what they're trying to do. So we had things like customer journey maps and, you know, just a deep understanding of what the problem was before we started on solution, which was a bit of a shift for us in terms of just my own mentality. So did that for about nearly two years and then an opportunity came up at Kennards to move back as a scrum master. Um, so I did that for about six months and I was working you closely. You explain what a scrum master is. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening are going, scrum yeah. master, doing a rugby team. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Um, so a scrum master is basically, and I'll use this loosely and I might you know, offend the scrum masters out there, but um, it's, a, it's, it's like a, a small PM, like an agile PM. You, you're kind of working in two-week sprints, working closely with your developers and the role is about ensuring you're maximizing the output from the team. So reducing blockers, ensuring that things are communicated well, ensuring the sprint remains prioritized and people aren't shifting their priorities and working on the wrong stuff. So you really focus on two weeks increments, which was very different to my longer project management style of PMing. Um, but with that comes all the ceremonies around Agile, so retrospectives and um, sprint planning and stand-ups every day and make sure that they're running effectively. Um, and I did that role for about six months before having the opportunity to join as the head of digital and customer experience at Kennards. And now I've been in that role for just over two years, I think three years in October. So um, it's been quite a positive, positive shift for me. It's probably a position where I felt that's where my career was heading. So now it's, to me, it's about, you know, delivering the best, the best we can around digital products and ensuring the customer experience is great. So it's been a bit of a bit of a journey to get where I am, and that's you know it's 13 years at Kennards, and a short stint away. So it's it's been a bit of an interesting career for me, but definitely um, I think hire is a very unique industry to be part of, and you know it's something that I've you know kind of felt at home with. Mm. So so why did you stay at Kennards for 13 years? Um, there was good opportunity, like the organisation was growing you know, at a really fast pace. So when I joined in Burwood back in 2008, and don't quote me, but I, I feel like we were only 80 branches odd right at the time, maybe, you know, around that space. But, you know, and there were nearly 200 branches. You know, Kennards has grown, and with growth in an organization comes new opportunities. Um, where definitely I feel a pioneer in some of the aspects of hire, and I think that's something that, you know, Kennards and the family prides himself on. So... I've been fortunate enough to be part of those moments that kind of pioneered the industry. So, you know, that the e-commerce channel was was a huge sort of shift. Um, the just, you know, getting pricing online, getting availability online, getting your entire catalog online and, and displaying it in a way where no other organization has, you know, where it, it's been, you know, incredible. Um, so just being able to sort of find those moments that really were things I enjoyed. So just organically I had a passion for these things so it was great that I could just be part of them um, and as a company grows right you just have opportunities come up in positions that never existed before all of a sudden become a need so that's probably what's kept me going um, you know I haven't really been comfortable just staying in the one type of role but 
you know, project management was was a great sort of career for me because it really like every year you had a new initiative, a new project. You know, one minute you're working on websites, one minute you're working on mobile apps, one minute you're working on transport planning and optimize so you're just in operations you're in software you know you're getting a whole breadth of the business you're spending days and weeks out at branches you know watching customers and seeing how branch are using the product you're trying to roll out so it's a very it was a very like intimate role in terms of getting to know the business and i feel like that's really given me a good step like good understanding of what high is about what Kennard's is about what happens in the back end what happens in the front end so I've been fortunate to have that breadth of experience without you know being in a branch exclusively and staying in operation so it's 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 been good and so you mentioned something so about being out in the branch like how important do you think is it is for IT related roles to understand what it's like out in that branch land yeah it's it's probably pivotal for everything i mean change management's a big part of it as well like you can't expect someone to use something when they don't believe it's actually adding value to their day-to-day so in order to, for you to really sell that and, and have and, you know in, indicate that there's a positive outcome from this type of stuff like no one's creating projects for the sake of projects they all have an intent to deliver an outcome for the business for the customer for the employee so it's really about you know knowing how the branch operates so you're fitting the product into mm. a real world operation and not you know trying to square peg round hole and go oh well now you've got to do it this way but it just doesn't work in higher that way for example yeah especially if you're adding like an extra four steps to the process or whatever it is and then like then there's a customer standing in front of them and then like you're not actually feeling that pain that that employee is feeling and then you multiply that by all of your staff in your branches um, and it, it also worked the other direction. Like if you do understand like a inefficiency and then you, you decrease that by 20% in terms of like being more efficient, then you multiply that by the size of the branches and then the, the cost recovery and stuff like that is, is, is the other side. So That's right. And yeah, I think being into the branch, like you, you appreciate the employee experience with the customer's experience and you can never, I don't believe you can ever separate the two. So, you know, you can de- deliver a product that's great for customers, but if your employees can't deliver on the promise that the product's giving the customer, so if you're saying it's going to speed up your, your checkout by booking online, for example, your internal processes and your employees got to be able to fulfill that promise with the right systems and right processes in place. So the two are they're, they're always pulling against each other because you don't want to make it harder for your staff and then you don't want to make it harder for the customer. So... Mm. We try and really keep close to that sort of mantra. Yeah, I get asked this a lot, and I've, I've tried to summarize it down to a, a short little little summary. But basically, um, I have a, a team of four within my group, and um, we have digital marketing, so our search, um, our SEO, our social is all kind of owned by our digital marketing manager. So I'm, you know, supporting that that channel. We have our websites, um, or the website for Australia, New Zealand, and that's got a, a, a digital coordinator who looks after that space around content, make sure it's fresh, up to date, um, putting different things on the website, keeping that that thing alive and you know living. Um, then we have our agents. So we've got two new agents that just started with us um, two weeks ago, and we're doing web chat as well on the website. Um, so they're part of that group. So 
digital marketing websites. And then from the customer experience point, we've got our customer satisfaction surveys that run all the time for our customers. So every return, we um, get a survey sent out to a customer to see how that experience went. And my role there is to make sure that we're still uh, exceeding the customer's expectations around what CanArts is for them and how we've supported them through the day. Um, that then is probably underpinned by our digital strategy. So I've got then a stream of projects that interact with the business that we're working through. And we just delivered our first cut of the next phase of our digital strategy for, for the next three years at the end of last year. And that was um, relatively well received. So now it's about executing on that. So my role for day-to-day is to deliver on that strategy, but then supporting you know, my little group there to, to keep the actual channels we have in the market you know, functioning and, and producing good outcomes for us. I'm interested to dive into that survey a bit more. So what's the, do you send emails or text messages? What do you yeah, do? it's a text message out to customers at the end of their hire. Um, we would never survey a customer more than once per quarter. So if you hire multiple times, you'd get that message once in that quarter. Um, and that survey is basically asking them how they went across different touch points in the hire journey. So from, from um, booking to collection to the on-hire experience, how the equipment went and the returns. And we've got that, the results that come back from that pretty much breaks it down by branch and by state and, and whatever else and by area. So we can go down to those sort of structures. And that gives us a good little pulse on how things are performing, which branches need help. And it's never about performance management. You know, it's always about ensuring we are delivering a good standard across the business. And we're also exceeding customers' expectations or, you know, what they need from us because it's easy to get things wrong. And when they go wrong, you need to make sure your service is is stellar, right? Mm. To, to make sure that that problem wasn't a big problem for them. So, you know, things happen in hire. You know, there could be equipment that just didn't go the way it needed to go. It could be things that arrive late, you know, you know, for various factors. But it's always about how is your service backing that that problem and how are you resolving it for a customer? Because if if you're responsive and you're you're killing it for them, then they're like, well, that's the best outcome for me because things happen. I think everyone's sort of reasonable when it comes to that mm-hmm. type of stuff. What's the response rate to those text messages? Yeah, no, the response rate's phenomenal. Like we do have um, a prize that's that's sort of set you know that you can potentially win um which is like a cash prize so i think you know people just go oh, just click away and go ahead with it but it's it's incredible the response from our customers to be completing these surveys it's the 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 agency we work with that helps supplement this there they basically have said to us that like we don't see this type of response rate from any of our clients so mm. there's a real appetite from our customers to be part of it um but, you know, that result alone, like it's never given us a reason to go, well, what's our... Yeah. We have looked at it. I won't say we haven't, but I couldn't tell off the top of my head what the number is. But it's 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 a very strong number to get a good sample of understanding, yeah. right? Because you we'll need that, that quota to go, this is a true representation. And we, we nail that every time and go beyond it. So then is there also like exceptions where like if someone gives a particular score, then a team reaches out to them to find out what went wrong to the customer as well? Yeah, we do that. So if the score is um, below a six, it gets triaged to our call center who then triages that survey to our branches. And the customers ask if they would like to be contacted um, as part of that. And then we would contact them. Some customers obviously just want to put their complaints forward and, and leave it there. And, we'll, you know, we respect that. But where we can, you know, try and resolve it and understand what the issue was, both from the branch's point of view and the customer's point of view, 
we, we'd like to resolve it because I think that's, you know, you need to close the loop and give those customers the opportunity to go, okay, well, now I've said it, now I'd like to, to resolve it because the relationship's still important. So then let's talk about this website a little bit more. So if we go back a long time ago when Kennard's had just more of a static website where it just had images and just information about, like basically brochures, yeah. Yep. Uh, what was the, the vision for Kennard's Hire? And like maybe talk me through the, the idea behind doing a website and then the execution and what actually happened. Yeah, we, we used to have a simple catalog type website and I think it was broken up for each of our specialist branches too. So we had like a lift and shift, a concrete care, a pump and power website dedicated and then the Kennard's general hire website. Um, it basically just displayed products. Didn't have any pricing. It was kind of like contact your branch, contact your branch, contact your branch. Um, there was an experiment done at one stage where we did put pricing on that website and it wasn't something we were comfortable with at the time and then we, we quickly removed that from it's an anecdotal story that I'd never seen but it was a fear that was sort of put in there early on. Um, but we said, look, if we're going to go online and if we're going to tell customers you can book online, we need to be able to put some pricing. We need to be able to put our availability Um but the most important thing was, and this was probably the vision statement when we set out because we never said, we never really had a reference point, right? We wasn't like you could look at other hire companies like you could for a retail experience. You go, well, this is how the Iconic do things. This is how Kmart do things. This is how Woolworths. We couldn't do any of that. So um, we, we basically started from scratch, but the vision was always the online channel had to feel like a branch. It had to still have the same qualities and, and conviction and... Um, uh, promise that a branch would offer. So when someone books online, they go, whatever happened, I trust that that's going to happen. Um, and that's what our branches do really well from from all their phone conversations. It's they can trust the guy on the other end to say, if it's going to be there, um, I'm, I'm going to put my business behind it and go, I'm going to do this. So um, that was important for the website. And I think that was the main vision statement for us. It was ensure we nail that brief. Um, but getting there was a, a long process. So we did um, engage a couple of agencies to go, look, this is what we're setting out to do. We looked at platforms that we needed to, to get it going. And, you know, this is going back quite a while. And we, we started building out the website as it was two years ago. Um, but that really set the foundations of everything we knew. So the second time around building it from 2021, um, we knew a lot more because we learned a lot more. We had experience around what didn't work, what worked. We had customers using the website actively. So we had a, a base of customers to engage and talk to. So it was chalk and cheese, I guess, um, from the first time to the second time. But that first run of it was probably a highlight of my career, but also I think for Ken Eyes, it was the first time we, we truly made hire 24 seven, right? Like you could jump online check the availability of a product at a branch and you would book it in. Um, we tested things like to be able to select things off a calendar and go, well, if it's not available this week, when is it available? But that had its complexities. But there was a heap of learnings from that that went, we really tried to solve the customer's problem. Um, and, you know, we were able to take deposits online. So that made a lot of efficiencies in store because your paperwork was nearly pre-filled. So there were some great things like that that became um, beneficial for us um, but yeah that that was kind of the the vision for us was always yeah like I said just to nail that branch experience online and, and see where it went to next and so what were some of the fears that people had around 
I guess, a new website? Yeah, pricing was one of them. So we did, you know, I remember sitting in a meeting and we had the rate structure on like a, a screen design based on a mock-up prototype and this was the rate structure for a mini loader. And no one really put their rate structure online, right? It was just a, just doesn't seem, didn't seem to be a thing that you would have your pricing that exposed and that ex, that explicit. And, you know, we're talking about pricing that is configured across different states. So when you're in Perth and when you're in New South Wales, like these things could change because that's how the market was priced and, and whatever else. Um, and people were like, well, are we going to be shopped? You know, we don't want to be shopped around and go, people are going to jump here and then they're going to go somewhere else and go, well, this is what Kennards is telling me. I think what we learned was that people would do that anyway, right? They, they could ring up a branch, get a price and they could go elsewhere. Um, the benefit though, over a phone call was we probably had a little bit more control in the moment and we could, you know, go, hey, did you want to book it now and have some of the phone training that we do quite well to to secure the, the phone call before it went somewhere else, which, you know, we definitely appreciate it. But, the, the objective was to get online and I think they're the things you have to kind of live with as part of that and that's the trade-off. It's You're exposing yourself to a lot more customers at a time um, but you're also potentially converting new customers that you haven't seen before and the results we saw for the web channel for new customer acquisition was, was really strong and it still is. Mm. And then availability is a big thing as well, yeah? Yeah. So so I know there's there's one camp where you call up and you say you need to rent something and uh, if they don't have it, they still say yes and they just figure out a cross hire yeah. or a sub hire basically, yeah. yeah? Um, but on the Kennards Hire website, I noticed if it's not available at one branch, it tells you that it's available at another branch as well. Like what's the closest branch yeah. within my GPS, like my location essentially. So that's obviously like what was the mindset around that? Like being able to tell people that it's not available like at their local. Yeah. So... We're a network business and we have a number of branches within a number of areas. We have quite a strong network um, and we know we can move assets around to different branches and we can, you know, fulfill those orders. So we have two different types of of bookings, essentially. One is um, the guaranteed booking where we know it's stocked at, you know, Seven Hills. Um, And then we also have the recommendation to go, well, Seven Hills don't have it, but if you need it right now, Kellyville have it. Um, but we do offer the, the opportunity for a customer to go, no, no, I'd, le- I'd like to still go to Seven Hills, in which case that becomes like a request for our branch to fulfill and, and sort of have that conversation with customers. Yeah, and then go, look, I'll bring it in from Kellyville and, and you can come to Seven Hills tomorrow and it'll be all there for us. So the back-end operation to make sure that that was efficient and not a cost to us, that, that was you know a thing where we've worked through over the past few years and it's definitely become more optimized. Um, but it's from the customer's point of view, it, it became our problem again, and that's that's important for them. Um, from a design point of view, it's, it's challenging for a customer to understand that logic because it's not what you would expect when you deal with an online channel. Like when you've checked out, you've you've assumed you've purchased. Mm. Um, so we've really had to hone that checkout experience to go. This is when you've guaranteed the booking. This is when it's available. And this is when your booking has now become an inquiry and let us call you back. Um, so we've really been working through that UI and make sure customers understood what was happening in the, in the conversation because you can say it on the phone, but as soon as you try and convey that online, 
you find people don't read things, people don't understand what the messaging was about. They, they go, well, I went through the flow. I expect it all to be there. So there's challenges like that that we've had to work through. But I think we've come in a pretty good place as to, to how that is. Now it's about iterating and just making those tweaks to make it. What about, um, is there a process where the branch calls someone that does stuff for the website? Is that uh, a process? Yeah, so we've got um, the confirmation orders. Yeah. So that one goes through, a, a reservation is put into base plan there and they've got a, a flag that says, hey, this booking needs a phone call from a customer. Um, we have uh, price and application type stuff. So like for larger assets where it's, more bespoke in terms of the use for like large generators, large pumps, those type of things where they're not, you know, priced at a at a standard rate because obviously they have different purposes and they're more niche into solving particular problems. They essentially are an inquiry direct to the branch, mm. um, which is quite good because it means we can generate leads for our specialist branches as well for those type of products that, you know, people are looking for. Mm. You know, the first thing that came to my head just then, which is, it sounds insane, but like, you know how you got Uber Eats and you've got all of your <laughs> your different options you can pick from, like Uber Eats, but it's got all your equipment in there, <laughs> essentially, and then it's siphoning back to, so I want to go, someone to deliver my scissor lift and then Kennard's nose and, and then they do that process. Yeah, I, I feel like, like the industry is slowly moving towards the direction where they can do stuff online, but there's still just so many people that like to just turn up, have a chat to the branch because yeah. they're mates with people there. Well, they want to have a phone call. They want to trust that they're talking to somebody. But it's just, it's almost like slowly easing the market into a transformation. Yeah. You, I think if Ken Arts came in and said, this is the way that we do it now, there would probably be a lot of pushback. But if you go the other direction, who, who calls up to rent a car? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. But now they're probably 20 years ahead. So I think that's the type of mindset needs to happen. In 20 years, maybe, I'm putting a guess out there, maybe people will stop calling branches for equipment. Yeah. Like that's, that's probably the, the shift that people need to have. Yeah, and it's possible. I mean, like we know that uh, it was a McKinsey study and it said 80% of customers are jumping online before they engage with a brand. So that's your moment to really convince them that you're the right brand for them and then you're also renting the right products for them so you need to nail that experience and i think that's why the websites become a very essential channel so it may not be the the sale that's made online but it's also the lead in to the business to mm -hmm. go look you know what i've got the information i need i'm ready to book and i just want to have that last question answered and you know web chat's been a bit of an eye-opener in that space because we've had just people going, look, hey, I'm looking for this. Does it solve for this problem? And because it's so so unique, the need sometimes, like you've got customers going, I need to move this stump grinder down several flights of stairs. Like we can't put that as web content to say, yeah. sure, like it travels downstairs. Someone needs to be like, well, how, how far are you moving it and have a bit of a conversation just to sort of go, well, that's probably not the right product for you or maybe you need to go with something else to support that, like, they're the type of niche things that we deal with in our industry. I think car hire is need a car, needs to fit this many people, needs to have this many bags. You know, it's very standard. People know what they need when they need a car. Mm. When it comes to equipment, it's those little niche things. So I think web chat's been a very interesting outlet to see what people are asking for and how do we give them the confidence to go, you're fine, get it, book it in, and we'll see you next week and, and, and it's all good. Mm. 
Yeah, I guess it's just trying to figure out how to yeah get the right team members behind that web chat as well. So you've got the really knowledgeable staff that can try and answer questions just by reading text yep. that someone sent in as well. Um, so, so talk me through like the process. Like, was there an evolution? Like, do you just check out the equipment as a guest? Is there an account? Like, what what's the process? We used to offer a guest checkout, and it was a bit of a hybrid. So your first transaction would be a guest, and you could basically book without having to sign up but we would in the background create a login um, and that was quite effective but um, it was limited to the technology we had at the time and then we kind of made a shift and we had to make a decision around do we continue to support guest checkout or do we enforce a login now from my point of view and this is where the the challenge between what's the right customer experience versus what's the right outcome for the business is it needs to be balanced out. So we made a call to go, every booking needs to go down a logged in route. So someone signs up we've made sign up really easy, you know, to, to complement that, but there is a benefit to the customer in signing up. So they get things like they'll get their booking history. So they'll know that booking was made and they can jump on the website to see it, which is fairly important. Um, but by having an account, they can do things like retrieving their offline history and then they can, pretty much see their entire booking history. Um, for an account customer, they can log in and they can see all the stuff around their account, so their, their rates and their invoices and their hires. So there's a lot of things that they, they just get innately out of that. Um, and we have a lot of things in our digital strategy that ties around knowing who the user is and supplementing their hire experience that we're working through. So it's an important channel for us and it's become like a key platform into where we want to go next. So we've enforced the login um, we're assessing what kind of impact that has on conversions if it does. Um, I have seen other brands of late like shifting to that you must sign up model. And I don't think it's I don't think it's too hard for us to sort of retain it. Um, but we are, you know, always assessing to make sure that like, is it the right decision? Are we losing sales? Um, is that is that sale just shifting to an offline channel because they don't want to go down that path? And we do have ongoing on-page surveys that kind of reach out and go, hey, is, is everything okay on the card um, to try and gauge that? And at the moment, we don't see a high ab abandon rate because of the checkout process. Um, a lot of it is, is more around their browsing. They're just trying to understand the pricing, understand what the product is, and they just need that extra confidence to go, yes. So I think we're in a good place when it comes to that. And I think you, you just got to know what, you, what your tactic is and what you're trying to do um, it's not, you know, creating a login for the sake of a login. It's, it's got to be a benefit to the customer that you're trying to push out to them. So that's really important that we're just not creating a barrier without any value. Yeah. The other thing that comes to my mind is like now that there's so much online and you've got so much data from the customer, there's a lot you can do on the, the advertising space as well. And then obviously not trying to go past that point of being invasive, but... If you know somebody looks up a, a mini excavator and they don't check out, like there's a few avenues you could go down to almost remind them and whatnot. Is that anything that Kinata has explored? Yeah, we used to do a lot of the check uh, shopping cart abandonment is what it was. So if you had got through to the checkout stage and entered your email, we basically would reach out and go, hey, you've still got this in your cart. And, and that would result in some convergence and that was quite effective. Um, we haven't put that into the new site yet and we're kind of working out what our engagement strategy is in that place. But um, what we are trying to do better is 
is in the digital advertising space is to make sure we're advertising to the right customers as well, right? Um, so there's a lot of information we're getting through the web channel that we can then, um, I guess, create audiences for and understand that we're looking for customers like this guy and he's, he hires this type of equipment. So when we advertise, find more people like that. And, and Google does a lot of smart things around that, that we don't need to, we don't feed any personal information. It's all the stuff that Google has, um, which is great. So it all maintains within the privacy side of things, but we're um, just able to, to advertise better, right? Because you're speaking to the right people. Um, what we're also looking at is just how do you use channels like email and SMS and that type of thing to really speak to a customer at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that could translate into sales, you know, beyond just the, the Google advertising space, but stuff that we can do, which is your organic sort of advertising where you've asked to be communicated to through marketing and this is what we want to talk to you about. So plenty of brands do that well. And I think, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, to explore. And so... Obviously, you've got so many assets within the Kinatai network and I can imagine the effort that went in to get the data right for the first website in particular or the first new website. What effort goes into something like that on the scale of Kinarts? It is one of our biggest challenges um, and probably the bugbear that we're, we're working through. It's, it's content, you know, making sure the right content is on the website, the right products are on the website, um, you know, the right supplier products are on the website. So, you know, we might be shifting away from one product to another. And as the new product becomes the main product in the fleet, that's when the website needs to be displaying that. So customers kind of have the expectation to see a Hilti demo saw when they arrive and not something else. It's a massive challenge for us. Specs, product content, imagery, it's something we're always working through. We, we've had a big um, overhaul in the past six months to try and refresh our most popular products, but you know, you've got nearly four thousand SKUs of of assets that we're trying to put on the website. There's going to be various makes and models within our fleet that we are trying to standardize and you know it's it's always a challenge. You know, you acquire a business, you're requiring whatever they've got there. Um so we've got, you know, different blends and different products all across the fleet that aren't quite core, but you know, they exist and we would hire them out. So it's a challenge. Um it's something where, you know, consciously working towards improving and making that more seamless and automated and, you know, all the important stuff like that to, to make it as hands-free as possible. But also it's got to be right for the customer and make sure we've got the right content, right imagery and, and you know, that type of thing. Have you ever seen someone do a reservation from the website in the branch? I actually have. Two weeks ago, I was in a branch and it's it's a very weird sort of moment because I was like, I'm just going to go in and just... um just hang out at the counter and just see what's going on. And this customer's come in and he had his phone out in the website. I was like, look, do you mind if I just watch you? Cause I'm the website guy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. All good. And, um, he was that in front of the counter making the booking for the, the branch guy. And the reason was he left his credit card at home and he thought I'll book online because my credit card details are on my phone. And then I'll book, fill in the payment details online. And then that also went into the store. And I was like, that's, pr- that's pretty cool. Like mm. just to see that thinking from the customer to be like, hey, I'm just going to book online so my credit card's there. But also, um, you know, watching the guy actually just making the booking. And we've got tools that we can see it other ways, but like physically seeing the guy just browse through, just it's kind of a nice moment to go, look, he, he figured it all out. He got through the process. He made the booking, he logged in and made the payment. And it was 
the branch guy at the other end, like, yep, it's all here. Like, it was just so seamless and so nice to see. Just where was the camera? This is like a case study moment. I know, <laughs> I know. It was great. It was great. Um, so yeah, it, a bit surreal, but it was good. Uh, you definitely got to try and replicate that moment. But it would because that was so good because it was organic. Like yeah. it wasn't like it was like, hey, we want you to walk up to the counter and do this. It'll be all yeah, fair. yeah, yeah. He actually wanted to hire something. Yeah, <laughs> and he I might have had to had pull out. Yeah. So, we'll have to pull out the CCTV footage and just like, <laughs> hey, look, guys. Oh, no, it's good. That's so that's good. good. So then you're talking about um, mobility at one point as well. So so what does mobility mean for Kenatai? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's always about that customer experience and making sure we're making it as easy as possible. So um, the mobility uh, project, when we, when we first kicked that off, and it still is, you know, a... a objective for us i guess is the way to put it is to make sure we're providing the most seamless and easy experience for our customers so when it comes to creating a booking to returning equipment we want to make that as seamless as possible with the paperwork handled the payment handled um, and saving the time for the customer having to go from you know the yard into the counter receive the paper like the, the printout of the invoice like we want to make that as seamless and easy as possible and Returns are generally quite easy. Like the equipment comes back. If the start dates were fine, the payment and deposit is there, we can essentially go, great, tick, tick. Thanks for that. Do you want a copy of your invoice SMS to you? And we can flick that off and you get a copy of your invoice digitally and it they're out of the door in, in seconds, right? And that's a great sort of workflow for a customer. And that's that's the vision. Like that's the dream. It's to to be able to provide that service where they are in seconds. Um, it makes it easy for our staff because, I mean, the old days was a check-in docket mm-hmm. and the guy would come over to the counter or we'd go to the, to the yard guy. He'd write down the plant number, fill out the check-in docket and go, yep, no damage, no this, no this, fuel was full. He'd bring that to the counter. Then our guy would have to process that. And then by the time that happens sometimes, the customer's at the counter or the customer's taken the docket to the counter mm. and then we've gone, here's your invoice and here's the paperwork. And, you know, it's a bit of a, a labored process for what it was. Um, but as we moved like into the way we handle payments and the way we can handle a check-in, um, like that was a really good experience. Like I think at the time, like the, the check-in time was like reduced by like 60% or something. Like it was, it was a lot quicker for a customer to get just a standard return. Um, and then, you know, the vision for that is to grow it around checkout and make sure we can create a booking out in the yard and go, yeah, you need one of these and we can talk about it at the asset and the guy can go, yeah, touch it, feel it, you know, understand what he's going to do with it and then go, yeah, that makes sense to me and then we can create the booking there and then and the guy's, the guy's out the door. Like So that's that's the vision and that's the dream. Um, it also works for our deliveries as well so our drivers aren't handling, you know, paperwork on the road. They've just got their their mobile and they can just scan all the equipment onto the vehicle, scan it all off the vehicle, create a booking or so um, finalize the delivery with the customer and, you know, their SMS again, just to like a delivery doc to go, Hey, it's been, it's been done. Um, so just those moments and it's instant, right? So we're not having to go back to the branch and process that equipment's being checked out. Cause that's also mm. an important moment, right? So you want to make sure availability is, is as real time as possible. So, you know, if we delivered a, a scissor lift, at 9am and the driver's not going to be back for another two hours that two hour window where the system doesn't know about the checkout Mm. um and with a a growing business like us where you have call centers taking in orders the website taking in orders the branch taking in orders you don't want to you know misrepresent the truth of availability so it's important that 
at 9am at delivery, that scissor lift is no longer there. And I know, you know, reservations and stuff plays into that, but it just really controls the way assets are available, especially on return. Like something comes back, it's not sitting in the return yard for a few hours. It's returned, back available on the system, serviced and ready to go for the next hire. It's funny, I was, um, I think JB Hi-Fi have a pretty good process where they send you the the invoice at the end of it. Yep. But it's so funny, they still print out the paper and give it to you so you can show the person at the front door yeah. that you got a receipt. I was like, this is like, this doesn't make sense at all. Like, you've got a great digital process, but it's yeah. like they haven't solved how to get rid of the yeah. proving that you bought something. Yeah, actually Bunnings, I had the same experience on the weekend and just same thing clicked to me because I put in my mobile number and they go, the option was print receipt or SMS and print receipt. So I was like, <laughs> okay, so I had to take the receipt. I was do the same thing, but yeah, it's, it's probably still a something. I guess like people are still want that hard copy at times. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, so on rolling out like mobile products within like a Kenatai branch, like what was the change management? Because working behind a desk and with paper and whatnot, and then moving to a digital or a mobile or a tablet is a pretty big change. Like, yeah. what was the rollout and like change management of that? You, you probably have. Um a better opinion of this than me, but I feel like, you know, the industry, and there's probably a lot of industries in this, in, you know, our space where technology has been a slow integrator into the way people operate. Um, you know, trades, they're, they're, you're starting to see new trade products coming out to help them do their business. Like there's always been the zeros out there, but now you're seeing different products just helping them manage their day-to-day. So um, the change management for us was getting people to shift away from from paper um, it was so like embedded in the way they worked. Like they just felt, well, I need a check-in docket or I need I need the delivery docket printed or just even being behind the counter, like you, you feel sheltered from the customer. Like you've got that barrier and you're able to just like, oh, I can tweak a few things and add a few notes and no one can see what I'm doing. So when you're breaking that boundary, people get a bit nervous and, you know, we're not, we're not experts and, you know, like not everyone's dealing, working on mobiles all the time. And, you know, at the, this was 2016, 2017, around then, um, where we started using mobiles at the branches and, you know, people were still not getting used to smartphones, but smartphones were becoming more and more embedded in the day-to-day. So people, you know, the way they used the touchscreen, they were wearing gloves. So how do you make sure the devices work when they have gloves on and, and those type of things, right? They all created friction in the way the like our staff would be using the product. Mm. Um, I think the biggest sell though is is demonstrating the value of of what product you're trying to use. So any software product that we've rolled out at the business, it's it's giving the branches the understanding that hey, this is actually going to help you. Um, I remember being at branches when I was rolling out the first cut of mobility or the first the first version of it, um, and I was. I was having races with branch stuff. Like they were literally like, I could do that quicker at the counter. And I was like, show me. And I would create the same booking that they would um, and, you know, almost mimic a real life situation, like pull out a license, write in the license number and create the booking on the phone. And I'm watching the guy behind the counter, like punching it in, waiting for the docket to print out because you have to wait for the paper to come through. Then you have to squiggle a few things and then you have to run back to the equipment and then, <laughs> And I was like waiting there and I was like 40 seconds ahead of this guy. And I was just like, all right, like you can see the value. There's a learning now for you to get to this point because I've been using it every day to get there. But 
they 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 realize again, you know what, that was actually quite impressive to see that. And it's it's seeing is believing, I think, mm. with this type of stuff. Um, especially in an industry where people aren't wedded to the technology. You know, they're not software guys. They're not working in an Atlassian every day and like, well, I like software and I like being part of software. They're, they're equipment guys. Um, and this is just to help them. And that's it's always how it's been, right? It's always just there to help you and make your day better. There's nothing we'd ever want to roll out that's actually going to make it harder. Mm. Um, so that's probably the biggest learning for me was just demonstrating value. Um, and, you know, if you can get past that first hurdle, then I think, you know, people embrace it and they go, you know what, there's actually something in this. Mm. That, that, that race, right? Did you watch The Office? Yeah. <laughs> there's an episode where Dwight doesn't like the, the website that yeah. they can do orders yeah. and he yeah. thinks that he can beat the yes. website <laughs> and have a race and he can get the most sales. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like that. that, like not even joking. It felt like that, but <laughs> it, so it was good. It was a good experience for for us just to learn how we roll these things out. Yeah, very nice. Um, so, yeah, outside of Kenarts, like what, what what are some of the things you're into? Um, I'm I'm a futsal player when I can. Um, and I've just started taking up Brazilian jiu-jitsu again. Oh, wow. Okay. So I've been on and off for years and I've set myself a goal this year to like actually stick it out for a bit longer. So I call myself the eternal white belt because it's been, you know, at least 10 years of on and off training and I've just got this single white belt that I've had from day one and now, like, I need to, I need to crack this. It's not about the belt, I understand that, but it's just more about the, the, con- the continuation of year of training and, and being disciplined and whatever else. So, yeah, that's, that's life now and I've, I've moved down to Wollongong, so I used to be up near the head office in Seven Hills and, um, you know, I think it's a whole sea change for me i guess like we're you know close to the beach and close to a very different lifestyle for being in the suburbs of western sydney and growing up in you know new Parramatta. so um yeah it's 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 kind of where things are at and then the painful thing of being a juventus fan yeah is that yeah (laughs) the ongoing pain of being a football fan in general but uh, a juventus fan especially yeah Did they, they lost heaps of points, didn't they? they, got, they uh... Yeah, we had a tough year last year. Um, and I think we'll have another tough year this year by the, by the feeling of it. We don't have much money these days, I think. And, <laughs> you should yeah, have bought Ronaldo. <laughs> I know. I think the Saudi league is where I need to start going. So uh, Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It is insane. So then uh, so then looking at your career then throughout Kenard, like who do you think has played a big role as a, as a mentor? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought about this and, you know, like there was a period where I worked closely with Stuart Dean, our our current COO, and he was um, our GM of IT. And, you know, I worked closely with him around the website and, and mobility and, and just starting in IT. Like he was, he was, you know, the guy, I guess. And I used to work pretty much directly with him for a lot of those projects. So I think I learned a lot around just process and, and understanding the branch and understanding how we deliver good products. Um, and then moving into marketing, it's, it's been a very different shift. So working with Manel, who I know you've um, had on the podcast before, like she's, she's great in just making sure that, you know, you're always behind the customer experience and she's a big advocate for what I've done so far and, you know, a great sort of coach just to like help me find my way through some of the things we do. So um, I think in terms of like 
people I've worked with, like they've both just been big parts of my career and obviously helped me get to different parts of the business and help me do different things. And, you know, I remember when Stu moved over to Queensland, like there'll be moments where I'd reach out to him and we trial things in his state and, you know, there's a lot of support just having those people around you who were advocates for the work that you were trying to deliver. Um, and then I think my time at FFA, like I had um, my manager who's basically the equivalent of my role today. So like I looked at him um, and I thought, you know, that's the type of role that I want to get into, you know, like I want to work within a team that focuses on digital products and focuses on the customer and then, you know, a few years later, I found myself sitting in that chair at Kennard. So um, I think they've kind of inspired moments of, of where I've gotten to. And now I guess here we are. <laughs> no, you're going to have to be the mentor soon. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And, you know, it's part of it. Like you, you're a leader now. Um, I'm not the 18-year-old that was filling out, you know, ticking off statements and, and payments. Like I'm, I've got a team behind me. Um, I've been in the business for a long time. People, you know, they come to you for advice. They come to you for information. So you want to lead by example, but you also want to ensure you're conveying the qualities of what Kennard's, you know, has in, in ensuring you're putting that culture across the business. And so, yeah, it's, it's different and you start to think of yourself differently and, and how you need to sort of position, I guess, what, what you say and how you help people. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's been good. And so how do you define success? Um, in my day-to-day and in my role, I think the most important thing is the outcome for the customer. And like, I, I, I've probably learned not to fall in love with the work you do. Like the, at the end of the day, the website's not for me. I'm on it every day. I understand it intimately. And when you see a customer doing some weird stuff, you go, that's not their fault. Um, and you can't blame them, right? You can't go, oh, just click this button. Why, you know, you can't do that. You just got to, you got to go, you know what? This product is is for the customer. Um, you got to learn to take criticism. You know, you'll hear it from branches. You hear it from customers. You hear a lot of compliments too. So it's not all negative. But when you do hear stuff, you got to understand where that comes from. Um, so I think for me, it's been really around just embracing criticism in a way that's constructive because at the end of the day everything i do is to benefit someone else whether it's the employee or the customer like they're the ones who are using the product day to day they're the ones who it's for so i try and instill that within the team like you know none of this is personal um we're here for a reason we're here to make everyone's job easy and you know Lo and behold, that's Ken Hart's motto. So it's, you know, I was gonna say, it's, it's like well ingrained. <laughs> it's well ingrained in the way we think. But um, yeah, like I, I think I've been thinking about like just what that would be, but I think it's just embracing what people need. And, and you know, success is seeing someone in a branch booking equipment in front of you and going, that was easy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I it's the outcome, seeing that outcome and going, you know, someone at the other side is going, this was great. Yeah, very nice. All right, well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No worries, it's been a pleasure.